Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Hey everyone, how you doing? My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here. Are you doing good? There it is. There it is. I want to say hi to everyone who's watching online. Thanks so much for being a part of this place right now. We see you. Um, I want to really quickly, before we get into anything, sermon, message, talk, uh, really quick, an announcement for you. Um, at the back, we have a Christmas table, and there's a lot of really important and, and crucial initiatives we're trying to take as a church. One of them is the Angel Tree, Angel Tree Christmas. It's where actual, like, people who are in prison right now... Um, we work with Prison Fellowship Canada, which is this organization that provides support to families who are, have loved ones who are incarcerated. And what you and us as a church get to do is we get to actually go back there, pick a child, and provide a gift, choose a child's name, buy a gift up to $35. We drop it, drop it back off. And what happens is we get to be a part of the reconciliation process between a family and someone who's incarcerated. And so these things go to like it's actually Canadian-wide, like Duncan, Campbell River, Yukon, none of it. Like, this is a really cool thing. And I, the reason I bring it to you this morning is because our, our date, our deadline actually got brought way up. And so we need stuff in by December 5th. And so I just wonder, from one person who kind of has the info to a church, I wonder if today we can make sure that every single kid, every single opportunity we get to be a part of the reconciliation process, which is absolutely a Christian mandate, amen? that we could actually go back there and by the end of the service, the team back there, every kid could have someone who's gonna be taken care of. And so I just wanted to push that. Um, we were looking, yeah, we were concerned about the deadline. I believe we can do this, this morning. Come on, church, I believe we can do this. And so would you mind, would you go back there at the end, talk to Grace, talk to the people who are back there, Barb, whoever's at the table. All right, let's get into it. If you have a Bible, you can go to Philippians 4. We're in the final week, like Pastor Chris said, of a series called, well, really it's a walkthrough of Philippians, but it's Philippians, an irresistible joy is really the heart of this series. The word joy or rejoice is mentioned about a dozen times by Paul. His circumstances would not, if you looked at it kind of right from the front, not really show us a, a, a joyful moment. He's not in Disneyland, friends, okay? He is in prison. He's under attack. And so we can understand his circumstances. We can see his situation and kind of wonder how, why is he have such a joy, you know? And, and for us right now, in our season, this is easy. Like, it's end of a series. Okay, we're headed into my favorite, favorite season, Christmas, anybody? Anybody excited for Christmas in here? All those people who just wooed already have their tree up. Well done. And all those people who didn't are like, December 1st, buddy. That is it. That's the best. Anyone got a Christmas tree up? Hands, hands in the sky? Yeah? Anyone, like, absolutely not. Like, December 15th? Whoa. We'll pray for you later. Okay? It's a jolly season. I'll put up my Christmas lights. Anyone got Christmas lights on the house? Anyone? Yeah, okay. Right on. Right on. I like, when I see houses with Christmas lights on, I pray over those homes. <laughs> Blessings to receive. And I pray again. No, I'm just, I don't pray against any other homes, but, you know. And we shopping done. Have we started some shopping as well? Yes? Hands up. Only a few. Okay, you procrastinators in here. I like it. I like your style. Christmas Eve, you're going to get it done. It's easy for us to get excited right now. It's easy for us to talk about joy. It's an exciting season. Like, we're headed into December. It's Christmas. It's family. But when we look at Paul's situation, and this is really at the end, not just the end of his letter, but truthfully, the end of his life. Like, he, he is, this is, it's a little bit debated, but for sure, like, we, we know that Philippians is one of his last letters. We understand that, that he's pleading and he's, he's pushing and challenging 
his friends, his, a community that deeply loves him, a church that has supported him with money, with people, that has resourced him and loved him, and he's asking them to seek after, to rejoice one more time. And then he kind of gives us this, this thought, if you will. This, what I would say is, is what is the thief of joy or, or a roadblock to joy. He kind of at the very end here says, before, before I go, before we stop talking for a little while, I want you to know this, that something can actually get in the way or could steal your joy. And if you're taking notes today, the title of this is The Thief of Joy. And it's, it's, it's a practical and pastoral warning from Paul towards, again, a church that he loves, maybe his favorite church. And I have to say, there's a lot we could cover in chapter four. There's a lot we could say, Philippians 4.13, a very popular verse. We won't get to it today. I found it as I was preparing so necessary for us just to slow down and to camp on what is only five or six verses. And this thing that Paul warns us about and warns the church about that could be a roadblock or a thief to joy is anxiety, anxiousness, to be anxious. That's what he, that's what he, kind of, that's what he begins to talk about. Friends, anxiousness is both plaguing our pursuit of joy, and I also think it's such a daily occurrence for so many of us, I'm not sure we realize the full weight that it has on our daily lives. I really mean that. I can think of instances, instances this morning, like two or three, where I've already felt a little anxious. I don't know if there's some parents in here who know this, know this struggle of when you're like, you've, you, you aren't fully sure if you've given your kids their vitamins. Anyone ever struggle? Like, it's so nerve wracking. Like you, you I, I swear, just like Trina will look at me and be like, did you give the kids vitamins? Yeah, of course I did. It happens that, oh man, did I? And then instantly you're like all stressed. Did I, did they get their B12? Did they get their, did they get enough? I don't remember. I think I did. No, maybe I did. And instantly you're like, this happened this morning as I was like getting here to church. I'm like, I can't remember if they got their B12. And I'm so like, oh, I don't know. I don't want them to get sick. You know, I, even I'm, I was going to be slightly late for church this morning, which maybe for you is like, yeah, no big deal. Friends, I'm preaching. I can't be late for church. You know, it doesn't look good when the preacher is now tailgating the people he's going to church with, you know? <laughs> if there was a white truck right behind you, I apologize. <laughs> like, it's not, a good, it's not a good look. And I was like, oh, I'm ripping and I'm trying to make the light. Slow down, you'll be fine, you'll get there. No, you won't. And it's like this, oh. Of course, there's the battle of don't screw up the preach. <laughs> like, it's kind of a big deal. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, no, no, no. The word of God is active and alive. Like, the Holy Spirit's gonna move. And yet still, it's like, yeah, but you have to deliver it. Yeah, but you, 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 you haven't looked over your notes enough. Yes, I have. No, have you? Oh, oh. And just with it before 11.30, I'm already feeling these moments of anxiousness. And anxiety wants to steal the joy that we can have right now. Anxiety would want to be a roadblock for us. And, and Paul knew it. And that's why he's talking. He's writing this letter to a healthy, strong, stable, loving church. And it wasn't having these theological issues or idolatry problems necessarily. Its greatest fear, the church in Philippi, was fear itself. And he begins to talk about it and address it. And so we're going to be in Philippians 4, verse 4. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screens. You can go on the GT app. If you're watching online, go and get your Bible right now. Wherever it's from, go grab it. Bring it forth. There's blue Bibles right in front of you. I'm reading from one today, page 953. It says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we can read that, and for someone who may really struggle with anxiety or anxiousness, I want to make sure you know, I, I see you, I hear you, I want to be very clear on the definition that Paul uses when he's talking about anxiety. It would be, I would be so sad if, if I produced any sort of harmful language or anything around anxiety, because I understand that there are medically diagnosed like anxiety, stress disorders, panic disorders, PTSD. I'm not referring to those things or depression. That's not what I'm talking about today. Please hear my heart. There's a reason I understand. Like there's important things that need to be medically diagnosed, that need counselors and mentors and things to talk about. The word anxious here in the Greek is this merimneo, merimneo, which is to be drawn in opposite directions, okay? It's to be divided into parts. It's this, uh, to go into little pieces, a force that pulls you in different directions. The literal translation means to be divided and distracted. Now that is something I think we can all relate to. Right? That is something that we feel on what is quite literally a daily occurrence for many of us. The simplest way I can put it, that moment where you're like, what should I wear? You know, like it's that like, oh, okay, what am I doing here? It can be as simple as that. And of course it can be as big as a fight with a spouse. I really love you and I really don't like you right now. You know, a fight with a child or a parent. The, I don't know, the roads are icy, but you're trying to get somewhere and there's a stressful moment. The bills are tight. The doctor diagnosis, like Pastor Chris was talking about, all of these things produce anxiety. In fact, there's one, one psychologist I was reading this week says that anxiety isn't always bad. Sometimes anxiety can be this feeling of just excitement and unknown, right? We see it happen in the job interview, the first date, the first child. Me and Trina are, are expecting our third baby in February. And uh, we just found out it's a boy. A boy. Yeah, clap all you want. <laughs> a little stressed, not gonna lie to you. <laughs> when we opened it up and it was said, it's a boy and these little blue sprinkles, I was like, of course. Because who needs a nice hairline? Why? It's fine. I, truly, I didn't expect it. And I was just like, and last night, me and Trina, we had a hard day with the kids, and she literally looked at me and went, are we crazy? <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, we are. But, but we will make it through by the grace of God. You know, like, these are, these are real things. Now, am I a little anxious about it? Yeah, but am I excited about it? Of course. Adam Grant goes on to say this. He says, worrying doesn't mean there is something wrong with you. It means that something you value may be at risk. It's a sign that you care. We worry about the people we love, the performances that matter, and the principles we hold most dear. So again, like the job interview, the first date, the, the wedding day, whatever it may be. He goes on to talk in, in his many lectures about the anxiety advantage, where he shows that both optimists who are preparing for maybe a big pitch at work or a test for 14 days ahead, they'll plan even weeks in advance versus the person who plans two or three days and kind of uses that anxiety as excitement or whatever it may be to propel them forward. Both the pessimist and the optimist quite literally find themselves with the same results in both test scores and job interviews. It's such an interesting thought. And I even think they're, they're harnessing both this similar emotion of excitement slash anxiousness. And I think for our spiritual health, even this anxiousness can push us towards something or someone, not just towards more doubt and more fear. And it wasn't Adam Grant who said it first, it was actually Paul. 
And that's what I want to get to. And again, I'm referring to this feeling of just feeling torn, divided and distracted. Because I want to level the playing ground because I feel like we all can relate to that. And I'm not trying to talk about things that are much weightier in this moment. Again, it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. We already read this. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That word gentleness is this epi case is, this, is the best way I can say it. It's a hard word to, to, to pronounce. Epi case. The word really describes this. This is important. The heart of a person who will let the Lord fight his or her battles. Please hear this. Paul is describing a person who knows and understands that there is a God who fights for them. That's what he means when he talks about a gentleness that's evident to all. That's why he has such a calmness while he is in prison. That's why he has an indestructible joy when there is an emperor who quite literally is trying to kill Christians and murder Christendom as we know it. This, 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 this emperor, this Nero at this time, was the one who eventually goes on to behead Paul and hang Peter upside down on a cross. This is the person he's up against. And yet... There is a gentleness, a calmness, a joy within Paul that remains so large, so evident. And he's saying to us, and he's saying to the church, there is a God who fights for you. Listen, the Lord fights for his family. As, as someone who believes in Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God, sons and daughters, and he fights for his family, not once, not twice, but on a daily basis. Paul understood this, and I need you to hear it. We just, we just sang about it. The battle is the Lord's, and he has already won it. Amen? Amen? And so I need you to understand that he fights for it. Being, being in the family of God is not just about an inheritance, not just about heaven. It's about his everyday fight towards our anxiousness in everyday moments, right here, right now, starting in this, in this point. I need you to understand this. This is really important. I need you to know, too, if you should say, well, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I don't know if I believe in Jesus, I'm still struggling. Let me tell you, he fought for you. He went to the cross for you. He won a great victory for you. Our God fights for you and for me. He sees you. He sympathizes with you. The Bible says that we have a great high priest who can sympathize and know how we are feeling because he dealt with it on the cross. Friends, I hope you're here this morning. You are not alone. You are not alone. Even when I don't see it, He's working. Amen? Amen? You serve a God who fights for you. And Paul knew this. And that's why he, 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 he uses this word as he leads into the next verse, which we've read a lot. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I know I have read that and been like, okay, Paul, good for you. Like, okay. You ever do that? Me and Trina always do that when we're not actually fine. And we're like, babe, we're okay, right? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. And we walk away. It's, it's the truth. Like, it's a hard verse to read. I don't want to underestimate the, the worry or the doubt or the heaviness that's in this room this morning. Don't be anxious about anything. Easy for you to say, well, sort of. Like, he's in a pretty difficult situation. I feel like we've laid that out pretty often in this series. Paul is not asking you to wish your anxiety away. It's not what he's doing. It's not what I'm doing. Paul is asking you, similar to kind of the research I mentioned before, to ask yourself why you may be feeling the way you're feeling and then to talk to your father about how you're feeling. That's what he's saying. He's not asking you to wish it away. He's not asking you to, not, to talk about it. He's not asking you to hide it under the bed. Like, none of that is what he is saying. He says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. Yeah, but, so like the really hard situations you mean, Pastor? No, no, no. I mean in every situation. Right, right. So like, but my anxiety is not that bad. Like if I just get out enough, if I just get, you know, if I do this, if I'm working out enough, then I'll be fine. No, I'm saying in every situation. That's great that you have some of those things to help you with that. But in every situation, pray to God. Pastor, you don't know how heavy my anxiety is. Like I'm on medication for it. I see a counselor. Awesome. I'm so happy about that. That's really great. Great steps. Also, in every situation, present your request to God. Are you following me this morning? We do not serve a situational God. We serve an every situation God. Man, he wants to know everything. Here's the beautiful thing about God. Think about this for a second. He knows it already, and yet he wants to hear it. I get this with, with Georgia all the time. She's trying to hold stuff back recently, and I already know what's going on, but I'll like, I want to sit down with her, and I'm like, give me your eyes, give me your attention. Talk to dad. Like, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I want to know how you're feeling. Express what's going on, and I want you to pray to me often. Can I give you even just... Because here's the thing, church, I've wondered lately if maybe I've been praying a bit, I don't I want to say wrong, because that, that would put across the wrong message, but just maybe praying with the wrong intent, maybe praying with, with a, dif, a difficult perspective that's holding me back. Can I give you some practical tips this week that when you pray, lay out every situation. Write this down if you need. Put it in your phone right now. Pull it out. Write this down. Lay out every situation. Do it more than once. And with a grateful heart, talk to the one who fights for you. In every situation, work, family, circumstances, your faith, doesn't matter what it is, lay it down. Do it more than once, please. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic, maybe a little. I'm kind of, I'm kind of maybe a little bit. But like, take this and, and really say, God, more, again, again, I need you to hear this again. It says, present your request to God. This is a command. He's saying, do this, trust me, lay this out. This is how we combat this. And then he, again, with a grateful heart, meaning that when you pray, it's not about, God, thank you for my blessings and thank you for my house. No, no. Thank you, God, that I serve you and you fight for my battles. Thank you, God, that greater is he who is in me than who is in the world. Thank you, God, that I can cast all my anxieties on you because you care for me, 1 Peter 5, 7. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Thank you, Lord, that I serve you and you fight for me, that you know me, that you love me, that you see me, that you care for me. Thank you, God, that you are greater and bigger and stronger than any circumstance I may face. Thank you, Lord. That's the gratitude he's talking about. That's the, that's the place he's talking about. And I understand it's hard to get there. It's hard to get there sometimes. Because that would be the response. Well, I can't even get there. Just start slowly by laying out your situation. Tackle it more than once. And in any way you can, maybe you need to gather other people to help you muster that thankfulness, that, that gentleness, that gratefulness, that joy that we have a God who fights for us. Let's keep reading in Philippians 4, verse 8. I love this chunk of scripture. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I love that he ends both kind of chunks of scripture with it. And the God of peace will be with you. If we jump back to verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think so often we forget that God is not just a bringer of peace. He is peace. It says here in verse, I believe it's 10 or 9, and the God of peace, not the bringer of peace, not the a person who has hope. Friends, Jesus is hope. He is the personification of hope. That when we look to Jesus, we actually look at peace, at hope. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. It's hard, right? I get it. Do you ever think about what you think about? It's a dangerous road. Don't do it. No, I'm kidding. The, some, I've, I've heard people say like they're like a thought audit or like becoming more aware of what you're thinking about. And it's, it's, a, it's a practice. It takes time, right? It takes energy and effort. I read, there was a Canadian study just done in 2020 that showed, for Canadians at least, that we have 6,000 thoughts a day. And half of those are just about food. Can I get an amen? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Mine, yeah, me, sure. But Pastor Chris, yeah, hands up. Paul is laying out the final steps to an irresistible joy. And I think it's so interesting that he would lay out this, like, really, um, this roadblock that we can run into that would try and steal it. Finally, brothers and sisters, he says, he has the attention of everyone, right? Everyone's listening. They're leaning in as this, as this letter is being read out loud. Think on these things. Meditate, your Bible may say, on these things. Dwell deeply in, another version says. Pastor Lisa says this actually often. She'll say, like, this is a great filter when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're dealing with anxiety. This is a great filter on, on how to think. And I want, I, want you to re, I want to read something to you from one commentator that I, I read this week. It's very important, so please hear my heart. It's really important for your Christian like formation. Much of the Christian life comes down to the mind. Honestly, and I wonder if we've maybe missed this a little bit in the last 10, 15 years. I'm so thankful and grateful that the stigma of mental health is being broken down piece by piece, that we're having more conversations about this. I had a great conversation with someone right after who, was, who we actually had a chance to celebrate and be thankful to God for a new medication this person was on and how wonderful it was helping him in his depression. I'm so happy about that. I really am. And I think I wonder if we haven't really had the words to say, but if we look at it, much of the Christian life comes down to the mind. Romans 12.2 speaks of the essential place of being transformed by the renewing of our minds. 2 Corinthians 10 speaks of the importance of casting down arguments, bringing every thought into captivity and making it obedient to Christ. So much of our walk happens here, and what we choose to meditate on really matters. Can I say that again, please? What we choose to think and meditate on really matters. Do you ever think about what you think about? Might be a good time to make a list. And I have to be so real with you, as I read this final like, chunk of scripture from Paul, as I read whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. I have to honestly pause and reflect, and I actually felt a little bit of sorrow when I was preparing. Because the world, like materialistic things, people can't offer or give what Paul is asking us to think on. And I can think of this moment when me and Andy and Adam and some of us were just chatting about this sermon series, like 
our heart, like my, I don't know if it was Adam or who it was, but it was just like our hearts all kind of broke simultaneously. Like, will the church really get it? Will, will they really understand that there is a joy for you that surpasses any anxiety you may face? Like, we didn't want this cheesy joy series as we head into Christmas. Like, it was really intentional that we would be a church that amidst everything that is happening right now, that we would understand that joy is attainable, that joy is for you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's number two for a reason, friends, because when we serve Jesus in every circumstance, in every situation, there is an indestructible, irresistible reality of joy, and I wonder if we're not getting to it at all because of the stress and anxiety that's in front of us. So our hearts kind of broke, wondering if we would get this. And I wonder if we look at things like whatever is true, and we think, oh, I'll find that somewhere. No, you won't. Like this is, this is what Paul's getting at. And I want to be really careful. Please follow me here. Whatever is true. Friends, the world isn't interested in truth. It's not. If it's true for you, it's true, right? Live your truth. Postmodernists would say, truth is all relative, which is hilarious because it's, it's a logical fallacy. Truth being relative is a truth statement. So either it collapses on itself or, you know what I'm saying, or it makes no sense. Jesus didn't say live your truth. Jesus said, and the truth will set you free. Very different than what the world has to offer. We have to be so careful when we, when we think we can find these things elsewhere. Whatever is noble, it's this, this Greek word that, that talks about being revered in awe, dignified, this, this deep like gravitas, this deep respect and honor. I don't see a lot of reverence and honor in our culture and society. We're quick to cancel. We're quick to condemn. Accountability is one thing, friends, but that happens out of relationship. And community and relationship has to go together in spiritual practice. Honor and dignity feels very hard to come by. We're quick to, like I said, label and cancel leaders, politicians, whatever it may be. I don't see this. Whatever is right, this is like the word righteousness. The righteousness that we can't get on our own. The righteousness that only comes from Jesus dying on a cross. God seeing us through that lens. That's the righteousness Paul's talking about. Titus 3 says, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the Holy Spirit. Whatever is pure, Paul writes, holy, undefiled without sin. Please don't make me break this down from the world's perspective. This is not in our world. Whatever is lovely, worthy of personal affection, this word goes on, full of gratitude, worthy of an embrace. I wish we had a lot more of this and less podcasts on crime shows and serial killers. Can I be so honest? It's the number one listening podcast right now is on that subject, but not on what is lovely. And he goes on to say whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, this list cannot be found in, in one thing or one structure or some sort of material or amount of money. Paul is making a grand point to end this letter, and I'm trying to do the same with you. This list is accumulated altogether in the person of Jesus. He's magnifying Jesus' ability while clarifying his attributes. He's helping you see a single piece of who Jesus is while understanding that he actually encompasses it 
all together, that he can actually is compounded together in all of these beautiful attributes. And he's asking you, he's asking me, he's asking this church to understand his depth, his wonder, his righteousness, his abilities, his beauty, his grace, and his truth that if we would focus in on Jesus, if we would meditate on him, we would get these things, the nobility, nobility, excuse me, the truth, the righteousness, the purity, it all comes from him. GT Church, when he is your thoughts, peace becomes your practice and joy becomes your reality. I'm not here trying to ask you to wish your anxiety away. I'm actually asking us as a church to be more real about it, to confront it and to tackle it day by day with the help of the Holy Spirit by doing as the scripture says, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I know it's so much easier for me to say than just to to do, but that's why we have to practice it. That's why when we leave here, it doesn't mean like anxiety is gone like that. It means that every day we practice it a bit more. Every moment, in every situation, we present our requests to God. In every moment, we come to him and say, God, again, I trust you. I know you fight for me. I know you love me. And so I present this to you now. Jesus' name, I pray. That's what he's saying. Would you stand to your feet with me? And I just want to take a moment as we wrap up this series as we fight for joy, amen, as we come to Jesus and say, yeah, I can, I can have that. That's attainable for me. This anxiety is not gonna be a roadblock anymore, but I serve a God who can break down any wall. Nothing is impossible for God, amen? That's what the scripture tells us. And so in this moment, I just want us all to close our eyes, create a moment between you and the Lord. I do not wanna rush this. If you're in here and this whole time you've been saying, listen, anxiety is weakness. I'm not listening. I believe God wants to just chip away at your heart a little bit and show that he can be your comfort. He can be the answer. You don't have to just trudge through this. That he fights your battles. If you're in here and you've just been almost feeling anxious this whole time, because even hearing that word brings up some sort of anxiety or or moment or situation or circumstance you're trying to walk through with eyes closed and heart after God. I just want to pray over you. If you've been searching everywhere else to find the peace and the joy that we're talking about, look no further. Look to Jesus. He's fought your battles. He's fought for you on the cross. He's won you a victory. He loves you dearly. He wants to welcome you to the family of God. So God, all across this room, from the different places, the different circumstances, Lord, I definitely don't pretend to know it all or minimize any of it. God, you know every single person's heart. You know the stress. You know the moments of difficulty. You know the situations with kids and parents and brothers and family and friends and coworkers. Jesus, you hold it all. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray you would come into the person who just battles with anxiety on a daily basis. God, comfort them. Show them you're close. I I pray right now they would sense the Holy Spirit rising up in their body, settling in their mind, and bringing the peace of God. 
Jesus, I pray for the person who's been so focused on every, every, every which way they could to get out of the anxious feelings. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray for the person at home who is watching right now. I pray that you stand up. If you're watching at home, stand into your feet, wherever you may be, and let the peace of God become your reality. Let the joy of Jesus become your actual feeling and emotion. God, we pray right now as a church that we, we choose to believe that you fight for us, that you know our hearts, you know what we're walking through, and right now you can calm us, you can replace anxiety with joy, and that we serve you, God, and that you love us and you fight for us. And with hearts wide open, with hands raised, if you want, I want to read to you one more time what Paul wrote. And with the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard every heart, every mind in Christ Jesus. Once again, with the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard every heart, guard every mind in Christ Jesus. And would we as a church know that the God of peace, the personification of peace, the one who brings hope and love and joy be with us now in Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody said. And everybody said. We still have some time, and I would love if you would just take a step here in this moment to pray, to worship, to sing. Friends, it starts now, the steps we take. God is moving, yes, but he is here, and he wants to continue to work on in our hearts the things we're dealing with. So let's sing with joy. Rejoice in the Lord, amen? Rejoice in the Lord, amen? Come on, let's sing one more time.